This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I look out my window and I see my neighbor, Doug. Poor, lazy, deplorable Doug. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Tuck, and man, do I have a Valentine's Day hangover. You know, one of those mornings where you're just surrounded by dove rappers with their inspirational quotes mocking you. Well, today's guest says it's not about the money, and thank God, because I don't have any. But that's why I love the day after Valentine's. Time to stock up on more Dove chocolate, half off, like my pants. To tell you more, we welcome the author of It's Not About Money, Scarlett Cochran. But that's not all. Finally, some good news about people saving enough money. We'll celebrate in our headline segment. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Brett, who wants to know about real estate tax strategies. And then I'll share some lovey-dovey, or not, trivia. And now, two guys who are a couple of geniuses about stacking Benjamins, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-J. And happy Wednesday, stackers. You made it. You found us. Sit back and relax and get ready for another hour of money fun. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, the guy who's bringing the fun because his aura ring says he's going to, it's Mr. OG. This is my readiness is 91%. How about that? That's pretty good. That's a good good sleep score. 91 on a scale of one to a thousand. (laughs) That's what happens when you don't drink a lot at night. You sleep like a baby. It's amazing. No correlation. No. I'm sure I'm sure there's no correlation between the two. Doug, uh half off, huh? Half off. Half off my pants. Yeah. Well, when we were talking about half off, I don't think you realize half off usually refers to the price, not the size. Not the way it's you a wear awkward. Them. Just a little awkward here in the basement. I'm just sagging like thing. all the kids do. It's just, oh boy, yes. Well, we're not sagging today. We got a great show. How about that? Turn that frown upside down, people, because we got Scarlett Cochran here 
Scarlett, by the way, man, has she had some interesting jobs in the past. She's worked for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, FDIC, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Now she's got this monster brand that I'm sure many of you have heard of, uh, One Big Happy Life. She's going to talk about how, although we're all here to stack some Benjamins, OG, it's not about the Benjamins. It's not about the Benjamins. Not today. More beyond it. Can't wait to talk to her. She's upstairs talking to mom. Before that, we got, as Doug said, we got a great headline. But even before that, guys, we got to, you know, they say that you should have open, honest conversations with each other, right? I mean, don't hold things back from friends. And I think you guys are good friends of mine. So I think it's about time. Doug, can you have a seat? Seriously, in those shorts. I knew this was coming. Yes. All right. Uh, Time for an intervention. How about some of this? This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30 day free trial. When you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad free privacy. You can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Did you learn? Did you learn from that? Was I supposed to be listening? Of course you were. Everybody. We need to encourage people, please listen to the sponsor segments or we can't podcast anymore. So yes. Oh, well, as soon as you told me that we were having an intervention and you were sitting me down, I just turned the ears off. He's like, and we're done. Yes. And scene. Not, not intervention number 17. Come on. Yes. He could wait us out. Scarlett Cochran is here, but man, we got a great headline. So let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Yahoo. Doug, you found this one. 
I did. It showed up in the middle of my feed between all the cartoons that I usually read. <laughs> I was like, Doug found us a headline we're going to use. What's going on here, OG? I mean, wow. It is a new day here in the basement. New year, new Doug. Yes. Uh, this piece is written by Ella Vincent and OG. I think this is time for a big high five because the header, listen to this. Gen Z is doing, quote, extremely well saving for retirement, a study finds. Ella writes, the youngest generations getting out in front of retirement planning. Workers between 18 and 25 already had socked, listen to this number, $33,000 away in their retirement accounts, according to a recent survey from Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies about intergenerational retirement preparation. We talk all the time about investors, OG, doing the wrong thing about how, you know, our stackers, we, we, we want to make sure that we're these people that are different. We're doing things the right way. Gen Z maybe getting the message. How great is that? Pretty sweet. I mean, especially if you think about like the compounding effect of that little bit of savings over the next 40 years of their, of their lives. I mean, I mean, that's uh pretty awesome sauce if they stop saving right now they stop at 33 grand what's that turn into by let's say they're at the top end of gen z which is what 20 is it 25 18 to 20 yeah, yeah. so they're 25 they got 33,000. they're like i'm out i'm good what's that turn into when they retire let's do that there's this cool rule called the rule 72 and you take the interest rate you think you're gonna get divide it into 72 so let's say we get eight percent right i mean dave ramsey will say 12 we could say 10 because historically, OG, we've had it. But let's say eight. You want to go conservative? Losers are conservative, but sure. <laughs> so if you were the worst stacker among us, yeah, you get 8%. Yes. 8% is good. 8% yes. good. Let's do 8%. 8 into 72 every nine years, that's going to double. So Doug, to your point, where they're, if they're 25 now with 33 grand, it's going to double when they're 34, going to double when they're 43, going to double when they're 52, going to double again at 61. Let's just do that, right? So we got four times that money's going to double. So if they stop right now, that's not $33,000 saved. That's 66, 132, 264. Oh, gee, they've saved more than half a million bucks toward retirement already, already. Yeah, and that's not including the 61 to 65 timeframe. Uh, which would which would be close could be to another next, double, close to the next one, and eight uh, percent instead of nine or ten. So you know that could be a pretty significant difference too. But either way, a half a million bucks checked off the uh, pile. That's pretty sweet. There actually is one area where Gen Z could be doing better, and I think this is the, a difference. Uh, we saw this flip, by the way, with millennials. Millennials were doing a good job with emergency savings, not so good a job on long-term savings. And we could talk about why people think that is, but their emergency savings, Gen Z we're talking about, they've only saved $2,000, which according to this uh, quote from Transamerica President Catherine Collinson, it's telling us they may be doing a better job at retirement than building up the rainy day funds or emergency savings that they may need to tap into if a financial emergency pops up, that's the risk right here. OG is yeah. I got a lot of money in retirement accounts, but there may be a big old penalty if yeah. I have an emergency now. Yeah. And so you got to be careful with that. You got to have the, the boring cash to offset the, the risk of the long-term retirement money. Cause you don't want to blow this 30 grand up by having a water heater, take a crap or something like that. So, so get, get the cash too. Yeah. Good, good job of saving for retirement. Now just, you know, build cash. Build that foundation. Is there a way that you like 
building cash, is there a method that works better than others when you work with clients? You know, cash is kind of one of these weird things because there's not a lot of extra return involved in saving it in CDs or savings accounts. So we tend to not pay a lot of attention to it. But the easiest thing to do is to set up the automatic savings. You know, if you can get your paycheck to be deposited into two bank accounts, that's probably the best way to do it. You know, if you're needing to work on that discipline muscle of of hiding money from yourself, $100 into this bank account and the rest of your paycheck into that. Don't commingle it with your everyday financial money. Hey, Joe, there's another sort of shadowy, somewhat dark spot they point out in this article, which is not only Gen Z's, but everybody could still do a lot better job having written plans of where they want to end up, not just in terms of the dollar amount, but what they want to do with their retirement. And so I know we talk about that extensively on the show. It sounds like not enough people are listening to us. No, there's always, and I don't understand why, why that is the case, right? I mean, oh gee, it seems to me that the plan, like working from a plan is kind of the fun part of it. I mean, I, I know we're biased because we've done that a lot and we've seen that it works, but it also, when people see that light bulb, it's so much more fun than just sucking money into this fund that I don't really know what the hell it's for. Well, yes, except for 25-year-olds don't know anything about anything. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was going to say it sooner or later. Well, that mood ring just changed. <laughs> I mean, it's not fair to ask them to think about what their retirement's going to look like, especially around what they want to do, because all of us at 25 were doing a lot different things than we do today, and all of us at 25 enjoyed different things than we enjoy today. That doesn't mean that you should just not plan for it. That doesn't mean that you should say, well, if I, if, if I don't know what the next 40 years is going to bring, so screw it. I'm not going to deal with it. But you do have some models probably in your life, your parents or grandparents or in-laws or something like that, that you can kind of look at and say, this is somebody that I'd like to model myself after. And that can kind of be your initial direction, for lack of a better term. But expecting a 25-year-old to be, to be very clear around what retirement looks like, what financial independence looks like is it's kind of a tall order. They just get kind of, just got I like started. that. I, I like that idea of just, you don't have to know it exactly, but just pick a role model, whether it's a relative or somebody else that that's a lot easier. I think one of the reasons people do even much older adults um, avoid this sitting down and planning is the same reason I turned my ears off earlier when Joe said, we're sitting down and we're going to have a talk because we're afraid of the bad news, which is what I usually get. But I think that the expectation is when I sit down to plan for my retirement, when we do all the math, it's going to come up with, uh, you're in a deep hole and you're never getting out. If you do it early enough at 18 to 25 or even 30, it's probably not going to be bad news if you're saving the way this article says most Gen Z's are saving. Yeah, we just assume it's going to be bad. I can't think of a time back when I was a planner either that we weren't able to find a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I mean, there's the train joke there, right? But always a light that's not a train. Like we do have a path. There is a path. It might be a grim path, might be a little bit of a path, but here's, here's a strategy. And I remember, I can't remember a case where somebody left my office not feeling much better about, okay, yeah, okay, there is a light. I can do this no matter what age I started at. Like I can get this, this stuff done. I think the other important thing, and I want to pivot to this before we say goodbye to this topic is 
a plan will help us fight our biases. You know, it's interesting, OG, we've done all kinds of headlines talking about how millennials, the one thing they have been really good at is the emergency savings piece. Gen Z, as we see today from this piece, Doug, that you introduced, not so much. And why is that? And the reason a lot of people point to is millennials formative years were during the 2007, 2008 crisis. A lot of people losing their jobs, a lot of people losing their houses. They see this destruction all around them. And what did they do? They're like, I need a safety net and I'm never putting money into financial markets because everybody's going bankrupt. Not going to buy this stuff, right? So much more conservative bias coming out of that, which as you saw, OG, was a huge mistake. Gen Z formative years, what do they got? Go, go stock market. Everybody's on Instagram making huge money on crypto, making huge money on Robinhood, making monster, you know, all these people with these success stories, most of which we found out are BS, but still going, Hey, I'm going to put a bunch of money. I'm going to put money in the slot machine and see how I win. And so that could be, that could end up being bad too, because these people not building any emergency fund. Yeah. We will dive more into this in our newsletter, The 201, which uh, the day after our Monday, Wednesday shows, Kevin Bailey from our team gives you links to dive even more into how to build your emergency fund, how to diversify your investments. He will go even deeper for people that want uh, some more strategies on how to save. Stackybedjamins.com slash 201 is how to get that delivered to your inbox two times a week. Coming up next, Scarlett Cochran's an attorney, financial expert, entrepreneur. Her career as a lawyer, she worked on behalf of everyday people at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, FDIC, and the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. She now has a monster YouTube channel and a monster brand called One Big Happy Life that I absolutely love. She is always positive, has a brand new book out talking about, you know what, we're here to stack Benjamins, but they're really, Benjamins are just a fuel for something much bigger. And man, she's always got great stories. Scarlett Cochran coming up next. But before that, Doug, you've got some trivia, man. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And it's Singles Awareness Day, also known by the acronym SAD, which tells me I must have eaten all those chocolates alone. Luckily, when you wake up in a pile of Dove wrappers, they're here to inspire you. This one says, never give up. Tomorrow will be better. Well, joke's on you, Dove. I ate this yesterday, and I can already tell today's going to suck. But it's not because I'm single. In fact, many people choose to remain single. So my question is, what percentage of single people declare that they will never marry? Maybe because they don't like splitting their pile of Benjamins with someone else. Is it 1%, 5%, or 10%? I'll be right back after I dance like no one is watching like the Dove rapper told me to, because literally, there's nobody here to see me. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested that can increase the potential for compound returns in other words 
Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm singles, cheese lover, and bachelor season finale screamer, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Sing out loud, said the rapper I just found in my shirt. Who cares what you sound like? Joe's mom, that's who. She cut the electric cord to my karaoke machine again. I can see why people choose to be alone. So how many single people vow to remain that way? A whopping 10%. And now to tell us how it's about more than the money, Scarlett Cochran. Scarlett Cochran's here. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I am super happy you're with us. Congratulations on a great book. Thank you. This had to be, this had to be difficult. I mean, just the process of writing a book. I mean, were you prepared? I was not prepared. Now, I have wanted to be an author my whole life. I thought it would be speculative fiction, you know, vampires, werewolves, maybe some like high fantasy. I never imagined that I was going to write a personal finance book, especially because I didn't become a law professor. So I never expected to publish, but I've always wanted to write something. And in my mind, the process of writing a book involves sitting in your log cabin by the lake with the idyllic music playing and like the the birds chirping. Exactly. And smiling at your own cleverness as you write. When in reality, for me, it was literally rolling around on the ground crying because I spent hours staring at a blank screen. It was so painful. (laughs) It it is. Well, the good news is you did write some horror stories in here. There's a story about a roach that we'll tell later. Like you've got some true. So it doesn't have to be vampires. It could be credit card debt and shady mortgages. (laughs) Absolutely. But the point of the book is to also show that those traditional personal finance boogeymen aren't actually that scary once you shine a light on them. Yeah. Oh, no, easily. But before we get to all that, I need to talk about you because you spend a whole section of the book kind of helping people kick excuses to the curb. And I just have to say, just doing a little bit of homework on you, if anybody can tell people to kick excuses to the curb, Scarlett, it's got to be you. You put yourself through Yale Law School, which for anybody is not easy, but you had two kids at the time? 
one kid. I had the other <laughs> one later after I after a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you had so you you you're a single mother putting yourself through Yale Law School with a baby. Yeah, well, by that time, she was a little bit older. So we, if we go back a little bit, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18 years old. And I started dating a fellow Marine. And it got serious. And I became pregnant with my daughter, Alexis. And three months into that pregnancy, my fiance at the time decided that he didn't want to get married and he didn't want to have a baby. So there I was, 19 years old, single teen mom, active duty Marine, and 9-11 happens. So active duty wow. Marine during a time of war, making less than $25,000 a year. And at the time, I had nothing to my name but my clothing and a boombox. So I didn't even have a driver's license when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. So that was that all happened before Yale Law. <laughs> You're a Marine and you don't have a, to have a driver's license. You're a badass who can't legally drive. Yeah, well, I grew up in New York City, so what do you need a driver's license <laughs> for? True. There's public transportation. That's true. You've worked in a lot of financial roles as well. You work for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. You worked for FDIC, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I have so many questions about all those roles because I'm fascinated by them. We had Sheila Bear on talking about FDIC and you know 2007 and all the stuff that went down there. Was there anything surprising in those roles for you? Was there any particular stories that you remember from those days? What surprised me is how much actual discrimination still happens mm. when it comes to banking and finance and lending. I was naive. I thought that stuff just didn't happen anymore. So the overt stuff where people would say things like, well, you know, pregnant women don't go back to work, so I can't give you a mortgage loan, even though you make enough money to qualify for it on your own. Oh I'm like, how are people really? not only saying really? this stuff, but literally putting it in writing 100%. <laughs> like they put it in writing. I'm like, that's insane. But also really, what was really interesting, too, is we all assume that that discrimination is something that's overt, that happens because people see people and discriminate against them. People, we bring our inherent bias when we do things like do the coding for the algorithms that make the quick decisions on credit. So it's possible for algorithms to produce different results that are statistically significantly discriminating against women and minorities. It's shocking. But if you don't look for it, you aren't able to find where the problematic parts of the code are that are discriminating on factors that don't relate directly to a buyer's ability to pay. So, for example, if someone had Googled, like in their search history, if they got to a particular the application page because they were searching for a consolidation loan, but had looked at, say, struggling with debt or something yeah, yeah. in their search history, that could actually trigger a lower, less desirable result when they submitted their credit application. So like a higher interest rate or a lower credit limit. And Just your, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just your search history. Yeah. And like the website that you came from to apply for the thing, because, you know, there's cookies sure. on your yeah. browser. But the thing is, those things don't correlate to your ability to repay. And so they create these disparities. But if no one asks the question, like, why did you choose to make that a criteria? This is causing 
a disparate impact on minorities and women, but it's not actually related. It's You're not showing us that this factor actually is resulting in actually better credit decisions or fewer defaults. You're just putting it there and it's having this discriminatory effect for no good reason. After hearing this from you, which by the way, we could do a whole interview just on this, but mm-hmm. I think we should get to some of the cool topics in the book. <laughs> and actually kind of as a transition that way, Scarlett, it makes me it makes me love this project even more because the the feeling I got reading the book was stop with excuses and and get busy and it sounds like what you're saying now is listen there's a lot of reasons there's a system that's built against you there's a lot of uphill battle that's going to be fought but you still got to fight yeah and that's why I tell my own story I share the fact that when I was pregnant with my daughter and I was telling people like, oh, I want to live this good life. I'm going to be able to provide for this baby. They were just looking at me like I was crazy. And if I listened to them, I would never have had my daughter. Like some people told me point blank, including my superiors in the military, that I should go have an abortion. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to have an abortion. I wanted this baby before I ever got pregnant. That hasn't changed. And I'm just committed to creating a beautiful life. It doesn't matter what you tell me is possible. I know what I want out of my life. And I'm going to go get that. Because worse come to worse, at least at the end of my life, I can look back and say, look, I gave it everything. I gave it my all. I tried my hardest. And I just cannot help but believe that making the effort to go after the life that you want has to lead to better results than just sitting back with what the world is just willing to give you. You you have a whole segment of your book which fights a lot of these buts that people say, right? But I can't, but I can't, but I can't. You're like, nope, nope, nope. I want to ask you about a couple of them specifically. One that you and I hear all the time is, I got too much debt. What do you say to people when they tell you that? Well, I say that... Debt is just one part of your overall financial picture, that you can both have debt and still build wealth. I say, look at your money as like a pizza with many slices, and some of your slices can go towards paying off debt, but some of your slices need to also go towards building wealth for several reasons. One, because saving is a habit, and if we build this habit that we only invest our money when it's convenient, when it's easy, when there's nothing else demanding our attention, then we are going to continue to hit periods in our life where things get harder, like say a period of unusually high inflation. And the first thing we're oh, going that would, to do- that would, that would never happen. <laughs> right? Like, And the first thing we're going to do is cut our investing. And people need to see investing as like brushing their teeth. It's something that you do no matter what, because it's hard to make that up. You can always make more money over the course of your life to offset extra interest that you pay in debt, but it gets harder and harder to make up compounding because you've lost the benefit of the time aspect of building wealth the more you delay. I love that piece of analogy, and I think I'm going to steal it from you because I do. Well, well, let me tell you what else I saw at Fight back when I was a financial planner, Scarlett, and I'm sure you see this too with Big Happy Life, is when people get the debt paid off, if they haven't started saving yet, they haven't started dreaming yet, they haven't put together this full life, like they get stuck and then they go celebrate and they buy a big screen TV on credit and they get just back into debt again. So I feel like your pizza analogy is beautiful because now when the debt's paid off, you're already rolling toward the bigger goals, the bigger dreams and stuff. 
Exactly. And it also represents the fact that in our modern world, I think a lot of people would say, ideally, we would never have any debt. We would always have the financial resources to hit all of our other life goals and pay for things with cash. Let's just all agree on that, right? right? That that would make life a little bit easier. Sure. But that is not the world that we live in. And it takes time for us to build our finances to where we are our own insurance, where anything that happens, we have the cash, whether it's liquidating assets and liquidating investments, but we have the financial resources to cover those things at any time. It takes often, especially if you're living a balanced life, a decade, maybe 15 years to go from fresh out of school to, and now I have, let's say, 10, 15, $50,000 of cash that should I need a new roof, I can plunk down cash. It takes a long time and lots of deliberate effort. So I feel like this idea of paying off all debt, avoiding debt at all costs, it actually makes the process more Onerous. It makes it harder. Yeah. Exactly. And more painful. And in reality, if we look at it as a balancing, it's something where we are working towards being in a place in our lives where we have the financial stability, the safety net, the sinking funds all put together so that we can handle whatever, but recognizing that it's going to take us time to get there. And thankfully, we have this wonderful resource called debt that allows us to use money to buy money to make our lives more comfortable. I want to go to the other side of that equation, Scarlett, which are, you talked about if you wait, you miss out on compounding interest, but then you meet people on the other side of the game, which is, Hey, I'm 40 something, 57, you know, 50 something, 60 something. It's too late for me. What do you say to those people? Well, I always tell them to ask themselves this question. If I were to start working on improving my finances now and changing my financial habits now, 10 years from now, will I be better or worse than if I changed nothing? And the answer is always going to be, of course, I'm going to be in a better position. And so would you rather be in a better position or a worse position? (laughs) And the answer is always going to be better. So then the question becomes, okay, now let's see what's possible. What can you do? And I also don't sugarcoat it. Look, you're older. So your options, some of your options have now foreclosed. You can no longer sit there for 40 years and just put a little bit in like you could have done if you were 20 years old. Now you're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive with your investing, not meaning what you invest in, but how much money you're putting in. So maybe you could have gotten away with $1,000 a month before, but now you're going to have to do 2000 or 2500 So then ask yourself the question, all right, how can I make this extra $1,500? What do I need to do? And I say, thankfully, we live in a world where there's more information out there than ever. Your ability to expand your capacity to make money has never been greater. You just need to realize that that is available to you if you want it. And I know you do. So just get started. I feel like this is the positive side of fear, right? Using fear fear that I won't get started, that I won't have enough and using it as a weapon, uh, like Mm -hmm. truly making fear your buddy. Yeah. And fear is not a bad thing. Also, you can feel fear and still take the right actions that you need to take. And one of the best ways to do that is to really ground yourself in your future self, right? Connect those two people together. I know that as humans, we don't naturally connect with doing good things for our future selves, right? We see that as some stranger. Oh, that's a future me problem. But we can get better at 
seeing ourselves as both people at the same time, but that takes practice. So you, when you make a decision, you think, what would, what would future me do, right? If future me has everything that I've ever wanted, what would they have needed to do in order to, like when they were me, in order to have that? And just connect with future you on a day-to-day basis. It takes like 30 seconds. I'm just imagining, hey, future me, how are you? let's have a chat. You actually, you should do this. This is off the book now. This is, this is onto what you're doing on YouTube where I'm so jealous of you with nearly a quarter million people following you on YouTube, but it's rightfully so you talk about having a year in review. Can we take a second and talk about your year in review? And we'll also link to this video. Cause I think it's, it's really cool going back through the, the nuggets of the year to kind of pick stuff out. Tell me about the year in review. Well, the idea being that a review helps us see how aligned we are with the life that we're actually living, which the whole premise of the book is that the purpose of your money is to create the life that you want your whole life. That's why even though I talk about money, I spend a lot of time helping people really look at how do you create a meaningful and fulfilling life. So when we do the year in review, yes, we look at the numbers, but that's not actually where we start. We start with how you felt about the life that you lived over the past year, because it's very easy to get into living your life on default. And I heard this for the first time from Michael Hyatt, living the same year over and over and calling it a life. Most of us, if we think about that, we don't want to do that. We want each year to be new to be more fulfilling, where we become kind of deeper versions of ourselves and have even better experiences and a wider variety of experiences. So when we do our year in review, we look back and we say, what's working? What are we doing really well in our lives? What do we love? What's not working? And that not working question helps us set more meaningful goals, both financially and when it comes to our own lives. And a new question I added this year is, How did I live in alignment with my values this year? Mm. The idea there is to have us start setting wins and accomplishments that aren't just about external accolades. Because I've got a lot of those external accolade accomplishments. And I can tell you over time, the novelty wears off. And what you're left with is the life that you lived when in between those big milestones and those, that's the life you're going to look back on when you're old. So I want you to review your life every single year so that you're not getting complacent and taking it for granted. Wow. Speed up by slowing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly slowing down and living between the notes instead of more notes. You know, I, man. Yeah, I say life is the thing that happens between your goals. <laughs> it totally, totally is. I want to end with just a brief tour of one section of your book, which is the seven money capacities. And often I don't like to do this on one hand because you dive so deeply into these, but I want people to feel them and what they are. So our audience gets some idea of these different capacities. And if people read the work, they kind of have an introduction to it as well. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it works for everybody. But the seven money capacities, if you could just give me a few lines on each of these. The first one is understanding. What do you mean by that? Well, we need to understand money so that we can make good financial decisions. It's also recognizing that personal finance is constantly changing. Like I'm telling you this as a banking and finance attorney that regulated the financial industry here in the U.S. on a federal level, that 
banks are always coming up with new things, right? Remember, like Bitcoin wasn't a thing. And so understanding is important because as these markets continue to evolve, you want your understanding to be able to evolve with it so that you're always able to make good decisions. It's funny because so many people think, well, I don't have a head for money. I don't have a, but but you have a head for the thing and money's going to get you there. So just the basics. And I feel like it's not as hard as, as we sometimes make it. Yeah. And you don't need to know everything. This is right. the other thing. Like I think we the get things freaked that out. Hedge fund ma- yeah. The things that hedge fund managers need to understand is very different from the right. things that like, a regular person need to understand. You know, right. I agree. Second is deciding. So making good financial decisions. The decisions that we make really do impact our trajectory. So many people get this feeling of powerlessness, like they don't have a choice, like they're just along for the ride. Not recognizing that the better your decisions, the better your outcomes and the better your overall quality of life. I love that. Just you are controlling the flow of the river. And I felt powerful reading that section. Like, no, it is me. You know, we uh, we started off here talking about the system and how rigged it is, but it still is about me, and which is awesome. Third is earning. Well, you got to make money in order to have money, <laughs> but earning is a skill that we can improve over time. And this is something that I've learned in my own life. Too often we approach jobs and job searching and career from the perspective of what are they willing to pay me? But I say you should approach it from the, what do I want to earn? And then how do I become the person that earns that money? Oh, begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Fourth is having. So having so many people, especially when they get a windfall, they're like, what do I do with this money? And I'm like, just have it. You don't have to do anything with it. And having is an essential skill because in order to build wealth, you have to have the skill of having money and not touching it. And also having money and waiting and making a sound financial decision rather than knee jerk reactions, like doing things like pulling money out of your 401k to pay off debt or taking a home equity loan, which is a secured debt to pay off a credit card, which is unsecured debt. So you're putting your home at risk for for no reason. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. because people can't just like sit and have money and not do anything with it. Isn't it wild that in some cases like that, um, and, and, and you know, you, you talked about inflationary times and the stock market being all over the place last year. This is one of the only fields where doing nothing is often the the right answer, Scarlett. Right. And there's so much emotion caught up in it. And we do not make good decisions from a place of negative emotion. And that is why I spent so much time talking about very what we typically consider as like negative things, things like debt, and then showing people how it's actually important to appreciate your debt, get to a place of neutrality about your debt so that you can make better decisions. Next is spending. So we're talking about making better decisions, knowing when to spend, when not to spend, building those quality spending habits that make it really easy to stick to your spending plan and hit your overall savings goals, right? The thing that often derails us is we have a plan and we can't stick to it. And I wanted spending in there because I wanted people to understand that this is a skill that you actually have to practice. It's not about willpower. It's figuring out spending habits that you can sustain naturally. What I like about this discussion, Scarlett, is almost 12 years of this. I've done a lot of interviews. So many of us begin with the spending plan. They begin there. And for you, spending is step five of seven. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the fact that you have this funnel before you get to spending 
now spending really is in its place. Like it's a function of all these other things that are above it. I feel like you're much more likely to succeed if you put it at number five than if you just go, oh, everybody says I need a budget. Yeah. And also spending actually does mean spending, not like not spending, which is how yeah, we yeah. usually think about it. So to me, spending money well means that you actually get to spend on the thing that matters to you and you should be savoring those purchases. Too often we spend money and it, it's basically wasted because you feel guilty about it. You kind of resent the purchase after you made the purchase. And so we set, it's like a lose-lose. Like, no, when you spend money, you spend that money and you enjoy it. You're not going to beat yourself up about it, even if it was, I, I wouldn't do that again, as I like to call it, something that you don't want to do in the future. You can still savor the decisions that you made and make the decision to do something different going forward. You said the word losing, and that's the title of the sixth money capacity. What's what's losing doing in here? Yeah, losing is my favorite because people make really bad financial decisions because of loss aversion, right? Because we mm. are scared to lose. And so we make decisions to try to just never lose money. Now, when it comes to money, that's impossible because just the nature of investing always involves some amount of risk. And investing is non-negotiable unless you happen to have make so much money that you can just literally save your way to millions of dollars, which most of us do not, right? We're talking someone who has like a multi-million dollar business can just save their way to be a millionaire. The rest of us, we need to invest. And investing involves some amount of risk and your investments will go up and they'll come down and they'll go up. And in the downs, People are so upset about losing money that they lock in those losses. So frustrating to see. So we make irrational decisions, but also we have to take some amount of risk in life to do things differently. So when we buy a house and we have a job, now we're invested, but we don't like this job and we don't like this city, but hey, it costs us so much money to come here. Well, I don't want to lose that money. I don't want it to be a waste. So I'm just going to stick in this house I don't like, in the city I don't like, in this job I don't like because I don't want to quote unquote lose money. When in reality, it's like, okay, well, that was a lesson. I'm just going to pick myself up and I'm going to do what I need to do because the life that I want is more important than the money I already spent. And I'd rather lose money and gain the life I desire. Those are the thoughts we need to have to make our highest level decisions. I feel like we undervalue really the shortness of our life when we do that. When we overvalue, you know, I'm going to stick in this situation longer because I'm risk adverse. And you're like, why would you do that when we have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring? Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's keep moving. Yeah. It's so frustrating to see. One question I get a lot is, how do you feel about the fact that you took out almost $200,000 worth of student loans to become a lawyer and you're not a lawyer anymore? And I'm like, I feel great. Nothing is lost. Right. I am still a lawyer. I still have all the skills that I learned. I still have the law degree. And what I paid for was what I got, that education. How I use it after that is up to me. So I got all the value that I paid for. Last on our list, sadly, it's last on our list because I want to have this conversation forever, is growing. Growing? I, I thought about putting it first because it is essential. That is the money that we are squirreling away for future us. The time when we either can't work anymore or don't want to work anymore. And I want us to get used to thinking of those later years of our lives and thinking about what kind of lifestyle we want to have in retirement, because that impacts 
what we do when we're younger. So you have to learn how to grow your money because like I said earlier, it's really challenging to just you know, show, like just shovel your way to savings, right? You yeah. are making a regular income and you want to save your way to $2 million. Well, you're, you're not going to make it. It's, it's really hard. I'm not, you can, right? Because there are people yeah. out there making half a million, a million dollars, even as employees, right? But sure. why would you make your life any harder than it needs to be? There are great ways to grow your income that don't, that are not attached to your labor, but also so that that income can be preserved to last you the rest of your life and to create the legacy that you want. That is an essential function of managing money well. The book is called It's Not About the Money, A Proven Path to Building Wealth and Living the Wretch Life You Deserve. And uh, it came out yesterday, everybody. It, it's like the perfect Valentine's Day gift, I know, Scarlett. it's my, my love gift to the whole world. <laughs> it's fantastic. And people can give it to their loved ones, give it to themselves, self-love, practice self-love. Mm-hmm. I would be remiss also, and by the way, we'll link to the book on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. If you're walking the dog or you're on your commute, for those people that still commute, I'd be remiss, one last question, if I didn't ask you about what's going on at One Big Happy Life, what's coming up? Well, the book is out, so definitely sure. go get that. And so then next week, book study actually starts. So you can join me live. It's a bonus that comes along with the book, and we will get together and discuss everything inside of the book together as a community. So you're not going to want to miss it. So just go ahead and order your copy now oh, so that you have fabulous. it when we start next week. It's like an accountability circle. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Scarlett, so great to finally meet you. I've been such a fan of your work. Thanks for hanging out with us in mom's basement and talking money. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have had this opportunity because I've been following your work for years as well. Hi, I'm Derek. And when I'm not working on the hook for Joe's mom's next greatest rap album, I'm stacking Benjamins, baby. Big thanks to Scarlett for I think OG, what's a really good reminder that you know what? More money, bigger pile of money. Mo not- money, mo problems. Yeah, we're not truly looking for that. We're looking for more. We're looking for better life. Which comes with more money. Which, yeah, it is a necessary ingredient. But I think you got to just remind people about that sometimes though, right? Yeah. Yes, this is an ingredient. It's a tool. Yes. It's a tool for the things. It's not necessarily just, it's not the thing itself. I've got a tool right here. <laughs> it's called the Haven Lifeline. No. What? What do you mean no? It's the Haven Lifeline. I'm throwing out the Haven Lifeline. I can't throw out the Haven Lifeline. Can we throw out that thing you said 30 seconds ago? And tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends, Doug, at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Right now, earmuffs and a memory eraser. I don't know. What what are you referring to? I have this lifeline. I'm throwing it out. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Their prices are affordable. They've taken their application. They've streamlined it so they're not wasting your time. You get an instant covers decision and all their policies issued by a company not brand new, been around 160 years old in uh, people years, not dog years. In people years, yes. Mass mutual. <laughs> uh, today, uh, let's throw out this lifeline to Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Brett in the Pacific Northwest. I appreciate you guys mix real estate and your finance discussions, but I have some tax planning questions on the best way to utilize real estate tax strategies within my retirement planning, and I'm not really sure where to turn. I'm nearing early retirement, have a mix of 401k, 
Roth IRA and small multifamily properties. My advisor doesn't get involved with real estate and it seems like they typically don't. Uh, I know I won't learn any answers from you, but who should I talk to about holistic planning? A real estate friendly CPA? Is Paula back soon? Anyway, uh, New Year's resolutions have been going pretty well. So I'd say hook me up with uh, one of those XL talls. But who am I kidding? If I want to wear it this spring, put me down for the 2X, bro. Thanks. <laughs> Sounds like Brett's got big plans. <laughs> big plans for the next couple months. The winter weight. You're supposed to be going through the cut right now. Gotta get that summer body. Come on, Brett. Gym. Up there in the Pacific Northwest. Man, lots of good hiking Getting out the there. the gym, bro. Get in the gym. OG, holistic tax planning. What's a, what's a Brett to do? Yeah. Yeah. If there's only somebody who did holistic planning for clients, we could, we could recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Everything counts. You know, when it comes to financial planning, everything counts. And <clears throat> I find it annoying that your advisor would say to you, I don't get involved in that. Because the reality is, is that there's 25,000 different ways to become wealthy and to work your plan. And not everything is suitable for everybody. I've tried the rental real estate thing. I did it in a, in a faraway state and it was a pain in the butt. And I'm glad that we sold it and you know made some money and that was fine. That doesn't mean that I don't think it's good. That doesn't mean that I don't think that you can be wealthy doing it or that you can retire. I mean, there's tons of people as evidenced by all you know, bigger pockets and these other, other places that are successful. I mean, Joe, your son's successful with real estate in a faraway state. And if I, if he would have come to me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about buying real estate in a faraway state and managing it from 1100 miles away, what would you think? I would have said, Hey, listen, this is my experience. I don't think it's, I don't think it's very great. And he's had success with it. Right. So let's just be clear though. Your answer wouldn't be, I don't get involved. Yeah. I, that's not for me to do. Good luck. You know, YOLO or whatever. I don't know. What do you say? <laughs> it's, it's just part of the deal. It's just part of, it's like financial planners who say that, well, I don't deal with insurance. Why? That's part of the deal. That's part of the plan. You know, if something bad happens, they're going to come to you and ask you for what do we do? And if you go, well, I don't know. Did you guys get any insurance or do anything with that? Sorry, that bill's dead. Hope you got insurance. Like, well, no, you didn't. I I don't. You're you're a person. I thought you were going to tell us what to do. You didn't tell us to do this. I don't get involved in insurance or I, I don't get involved in estate planning. It's like, it's just, it's just part of it. So tell your existing person to, Get with the times. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to be an investment guy. I'm your investment guy. It's about the financial plan that you've created and all of those tools work together. The decisions that you make in your investment plan will affect your taxes. The decisions that you make in your real estate are going to affect your tax bill. It's going to affect your cash flow. It's going to affect your ability to save outside of that. Like All of those things are related. You can't just say, I'm not going to pay attention to that lever or those outcomes just because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to learn about it. So so yeah, it's an important piece as you especially as you get nearer to financial independence and you start converting those resources into income streams, being smart about how you pay taxes on that, how you diversify it, you know, how the cash flow comes out, all of this all of this matters. I think OG oh, that uh And yes, I think Paul is coming back in a little bit. Yes. So you know. Yeah. Our good friend Roger Whitney, I think has a great phrase for this, which is when you meet an advisor, 
and they begin with product or which areas they cover versus process of helping you get to your goals, you should run. Your advisor is advising you. They're not advising a little piece. They're advising you, not, Mm -hmm. not your product. And I'll give you an example. You know, I mean, my process always was, and the process I advocate is begin with your goal, build milestones. And when you meet with your, when my clients would meet with me back when I was an advisor, we would just look, okay, here's the number we need to be at. Are we ahead or behind? And now we're going to have a meeting based on, are we ahead or are we behind? That's my process. Different advisors have different processes, but it's process led. And guess what? Everything counts toward that milestone. Yeah. Whether I was helping you manage it, if it was a piece of real estate, if it's in your Robin Hood, whatever it might be, it all counted. Everything counts. Do you remember so, Do you remember that show, Wilfred? That was on FX. I did, I did. Wow. That's a that's a pull from a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Decade ago. Probably yeah, one the of the imaginary friend. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite comedy shows. I just thought it was so great. Basically, the setup of this was that he had a dog that he thought was a person. That's right. It was a dog. And in the show, the dog was played by a person in a dog costume, which just made it silly. Anyways, they were sitting there one day having a discussion and I don't remember the, the actor's name or who it was, but he said, he says, what does that have to do with anything? And Wilfred said, everything has to do with everything. It was a really kind of important part in the whole kind of storyline. For whatever reason, that has stuck with me for a really long time. And that is kind of your point and kind of, you know, Roger's point is everything has to do with everything. Everything has to do with everything. So what do these sections of my plan have to do with it? Everything. Everything. So, yes, find an advisor, not not a salesperson. Brett, I'll also give you another resource and I'll give everybody a resource for people that um, are looking for just tax help because there are different tax situations that people have. Paula Pant and I, speaking of Paula and I, did a full episode of Afford Anything on this topic where we just went through all the different types of tax help that you can get and how they're different from each other. And it's, you know, it is 45 minutes long. So rather than repeat that here, we'll just have a link in our show notes, Brett, or anybody else that wants that. Talking about the difference between tax lawyers, CPAs, enrolled agents, all the different ways that you can get tax help, and really what some of the positives and negatives are of those of those people. Uh, and that'll be at our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com, also in the 201 newsletter. Uh, Kevin will put it there. Thanks for the question, Brett. And guess what? You don't even have to tell us what size you're going to buy t-shirt or buy. You're not even buying it. We're giving it to you. We're just going to give you a code. Mom's friend Gertrude, our room mother, is going to send you a code as a thank you for being brave and calling in. If you want to be like Brett and you've got a question for us, we'll also send you a t-shirt. If you do, stackybedjamins.com slash voicemail gets you there. So big thanks to Brett. You know, we've got dozens, if not hundreds nay, thousands of people out there with our free t-shirts. Why don't we see any pictures of them in the basement? That is a good question. We don't see enough. We do from time to time, but not enough people bragging about uh, the sweet, sweet, sweet. Now, I can, I can understand why you wouldn't want to show your face with the t-shirt. 
but just take a picture of you, like from the neck down, of you wearing the T-shirt in some place cool, and put it up on our page. Why? Why not? What the heck's a, what's going on there? We're giving you a free T-shirt, and you're not giving one to me, so we need to get something out of this. Come on! Wow, Doug's on a what's Doug's aura ring doing? It's called marketing, Joe. Getting excited. Hey, uh, speaking of marketing, let's talk about the community calendar this week. Coming up this afternoon, I will be on Instagram. We had a fantastic Instagram live last week with Morita Harapur, the negotiating expert. Another cool surprise guest today. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Hope you can join us there. But if you're not here to hear about our Instagram live today, you're concerned about the market and the chatter about uh, uncertainty that you'll hear if you spend too much time on the internet. OG and his team have put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. The guide will help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So head over to stackybenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackybenjamins.com slash guide and get this helpful free guide from OG. All right. That's our community calendar. We are back on Friday with another exciting episode. It's our roundtable team together we've got our regulars together battling it out for of course our year-long trivia cup but also talking about a piece from financial tortoise 12 12 steps to financial independence uh financial tortoise a popular blog has put together this list that they think you should take the steps toward financial independence we'll debate whether len og and paulette think that that list is uh it's a great list Doug, you're going to be there too with us on Friday. So I hope you guys can join us then. Doug, to put a pin in this, let us know, man, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Scarlett Cochran. Building a bigger Benjamin stack? That's great. But building a bigger life? That's the ticket. Second, take some advice from our headline. You need a foundation and great retirement savings. But a big high five to Gen Z, you're rocking it. But the big lesson. Okay, well, it's not that easy being single. Yes, I do judge myself for being broke. But what's a guy to do when you can win singles night at the Sizzler just by yelling, Shrimp appetizer on me! Sadly, when I say that, I literally mean on me. But they think I'm buying, which keeps me broke. But whatever. Thanks to Scarlett Cochran for joining us today. You can find her book, It's Not About the Money, anywhere fine books are sold. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. You can hire Paulette as your very own writing coach. With her program, Your Personal Editor, you get 10 sessions one-on-one with Paulette to add power to your words. More information at yourpersonaleditor.com. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. 
Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. You know, gee, I was thinking that you're not the only one with uh, sad stories of uh, cars being found in the wrong place. Got a cool rental, though. You got a cool rental right now? Yeah. Yeah, because the insurance covers it. So they're like, what kind of car are you driving? I told him. And he's like, oh, we'll get you something similar. I'm like, nah, it's whatever. Just give me, you know, I don't really care. He's like, no, no, no we're going to hook you up. And I think it's like $300 a day or something like that oh, for this car rental. <laughs> But the insurance is covering it, so it's free. It's free. It's included. And? And well, it's an X7. It's BMW X7. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, you know, just, it's an X7. No, no, I mean, it's a, He, oh, he sorry, made it's me a, pull it's, that It's an out X7. Yes. No, I just, it's not, it, it wasn't important the type it was. It was well, more it's important. It's a 78 that. Chevette. But a second ago, you're like, I got a cool rental. Oh, it's really cool because my insurance company wants to make it similar. But then you act like, eh, you know. And then just dangles The story it. was about the insurance company's abuse of dollars or the <laughs> rental company's abuse of, of the insurance company's benevolence, not And your disapproval of such acts. Yeah, I just, you know. It's, it's, it's exciting. That's it's cool. Goodness. Yeah. Screw me in the end is what it's going to do. <laughs> On the flip <laughs> right. side of that You are spectrum. paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was in Arizona a couple of weeks ago and had set up for a rental car. Just I just needed a one way to get me from the Phoenix airport down to Tucson. But then we get down there and, and I just like, like, I just need something to get just something to get there that can hold our stuff. Four tires and some gasoline. That's all it was. And it was like a pretty lousy Corolla that had like a hole in the carpeting where your heel goes for the gas pedal and cracked windshield. And it, this was, this was the so not an X seven, <laughs> a little bit different. I did. I did the, on two trips to Detroit recently, I got, that's okay. Cars. I, oh, you weren't done. <laughs> I thought you were done. No, no. Are, are my stories ever that short? I was hoping, <laughs> No, but this was not the day. Oh, continue on well so the checkout at that place took forever 
and and at the end of it, the lady checking me out goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. Instead of ninety seven dollars, I accidentally fat fingered, and it was nine hundred and seventy seven dollars. Are you okay if we just refund that to you in the next few days, or should I do it over? Um, uh, no, I'm not okay. If you just get that to me whenever, do it again. And then she's like, I don't know how to do that. I'm gonna have to get my manager. And because it took a while to undo all of that, the manager's like, you know what? I'm just going to give you like the lowest daily rate. So it was like 40 bucks for the day. So I get down to Tucson and I realize it's pretty cheap. Let's just keep the car. So we do that. Well, that was a mistake because that car was a piece of and driving that around for nine days was uh, tedious to say the least. And uh, I was pretty happy when I got back home and into my big American truck. My gas-guzzling beauty. That got 11 miles to the gallon on the way home from the airport. 11 gallons to the mile. Yeah. Yeah. But I had room for my big gulp. (laughs) Perfect. So you'll find this hilarious. So uh, last couple trips I went to Detroit. Is that going to stop me? Is is, is it over yet, Doug? Is it done? Are we done? (laughs) I decide to save a few dollars. Because they have this category called mystery car. You can get the mystery car. Who the hell are you renting car? I know where you rent cars from because I get the bill. I know. <laughs> it's from Avis. They don't have Avis a mystery a, car. Avis does not have the, mystery car. I swear to God, they have mystery car. And I will tell you, do not rent the mystery car. Because why, why would the you? Mis- <laughs> you have the same- under advice nobody needs to actually hear. <laughs> Joe, we have the same benefits. We have the same credit card. We have the same uh, relationship with these people. You get like the president circle. You just walk I in. Do. They go, Mr. Salcihai, we're so I happy do. to see you. Yes. We have the preferred thing. Yeah. You don't have to talk to anybody. You literally yeah. get in it. But I see Mystery the fact car this is, is going to be. an option. It is an effort. option. And it was like $10 a day less. I'm like, why wouldn't I take the? I only need it for like 48 hours. Why? Why? Why not? Maybe I'll get an X7. <sighs> well, it turns out I got the bong mobile. Like, I seriously get this thing that people have been chain-smoking in. Like, Marge Simpson's sisters rented this before me. Jeff Spicoli gets out. (laughs) Not only have they seen how many curbs it can go over in a 24-hour period because the suspension's all over the place. Like, I seriously feel like I'm driving this battle axe. And, uh, yeah, the the, the overwhelming smell of uh, different types of tobacco. I'll tell uh, you all over the car. I rent cars a lot and um, <laughs> I'm a big deal in the car rental space. <laughs> I don't know if you who know are you hiding from? You know who I but, am. Uh, do you know who I am? But uh, of all of the car rental places, I have to say national is the best. Literally the walk in, pick whatever car is here, get in the car. You don't talk to anyone. You scan the thing with your phone. You, you drive to the gate. You, you like hold up your phone and they go, okay, see you. Bye. And you drive away. That's been my experience with Avis Preferred. Same thing. Yeah, except for the mystery car part. Like, there was oh, never an offer car. of a mystery car. <laughs> I was never tempted by mystery car. I did have, we came into town, you know, uh, after my my Christmas flight experience, came into town and rented a car in Detroit. And they had the Preferred shut down because of Snowmageddon. And these guys are literally, they are cleaning cars and bringing them one at a time for somebody to pick up. And so I rented, Doug, to your point when you said Toyota Corolla reminded me of this. I rented on this occasion Toyota Corolla or similar. That's what I, that's what I rented. Mystery car. 
I ended up I ended up with a Camaro. With, a perfect, with, perfect with for snowmageddon. Yes. Oh work. my God, those things drive great in the snow. Fantastic. Tires. Yeah. yeah. Aren't um, I think National Alamo and Enterprise are all the same company, aren't they? I know the arrangement between National and Enterprise, but I'm not. I can't confirm. Because this great Corolla experience I had was Enterprise, but. They don't do. I love the thing you described, where you just like pick a car and the keys are in it, and you just walk out there and grab and go. it. Um, I think that's a an, an amazing way to streamline operations and make for a great customer experience. There's 22 other great things about that, but I don't know why they don't do that with their other brands. Because my Corolla story happened from an Enterprise, and uh, it was not that great. Mm. Not just the car, but the whole ex, you know experience of checking out. Enterprise, that's Doug's opinion. If you want to advertise in the show, just uh, we'll um, we'll fire Doug in a heartbeat. If you want to advertise, Enterprise, <laughs> absolutely, Enterprise. This dude don't hold gone. it against us. We're just looking for a reason. <laughs> hey, real quick, is Millennial and Gen Z the same people though? No, they're not. No, not at all. Gen Z's behind them. Yeah, I see. Old guy. <laughs> I actually think there's. Gen Z, then Zennials, then Millennials going then, up. Then throw up in your mouth. Yeah. There's a throw up in your mouth somewhere in there, too. Yeah. Well, that can't be that many because generations are 17 to 27 years. Yes. So. Yeah, but that's a marketing term. Th- these gens that they label, yes. it came out of the marketing world, so it's not quite as numerical as you think. But anyway, yeah, it has to do with their buying habits. Yep. Anyway, they're definitely not the same. The Millennials in their 30s now. Yeah. Got it. Joe, you and I are Gen X. Gen X, the cool generation, the yeah, lost generation. Like the first cool gen name. Yeah, the uh, awesomeness. So is OG. We're all in the same club, guys. Are you? Whatever, dude. Nah, I don't think so. I want to see your cart. Do you have your cart? I don't think he has this. <laughs> I don't see you doing Tony Hawk <laughs> skateboard moves like we are. Where's your flock of seagulls t-shirt? <laughs> Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 